Small Biz Stories is brought to you by Constant Contact. Constant Contact is committed to helping small businesses and nonprofits connect with new and existing customers with email marketing. Find out more at constantcontact.com. I mean, it was nice sort of being in charge of your own destiny, but then again, on the flip side, there's so much pressure in that um, wanting to make it succeed and, you know, that always in the back of your head, that chance of failure. And I think seeing my father and how successful he was, you know, that fear of failure, I sort of had this drive, like, I got to just keep going and running with this and, and changing and mixing it up and, uh, and evolving. I mean, I think anyone who, you know, goes straight to starting their own business has got such great moxie. I mean, my hat's off to them because that's pretty amazing, too. I mean, at least I got a base, a foundation of, I was a project manager, so I kind of knew how to approach certain things and events, and I'm like, okay, well, I can kind of use that template. But someone coming, you know, brand new, that's, that's pretty incredible. Earlier this year, we surveyed small business owners to hear about the sacrifices and rewards of owning your own business. It shouldn't come as a surprise that 59% of those surveyed agreed that the freedom to try new things, make your own mistakes, and control your destiny is the best part of running a small business. As important as personal freedom is to many owners, listening to their stories has shown that no successful business is truly self-sufficient. Today, you'll hear from Kelly Twiddell, owner of Rose and Dove's Specialty Gift Shop. Kelly shares how support from her local business community, quality staff, and loyal customer base keep her business going strong throughout various industry changes and personal challenges. More than 50% of small businesses fail within the first five years. But these are the stories of those who beat the odds. My name is Dave Charest, and I'll be your host as we share the stories of some of the bravest people you'll ever meet, small business owners. You'll hear how they got started, their biggest challenges, and their dreams for the future. Hi, Kelly. How are you? Dave Charest. Nice, nice to, to meet, meet you. you. <laughs> I've never done this before, so I'm not sure. <laughs> but, uh... Unlike a few of the other business owners we've talked to, Kelly didn't start off her career as an owner. After spending over a decade working in the corporate world, Kelly shifted her focus to explore other talents. We moved to North Andover back in 1998, and at that point I was a stay-at-home mom, um, raising two kids, and by the time they both got to you know, elementary school, I started getting antsy and um, wanted to sort of tap into the artistic side. Um, I had been doing 12 years in system conversions. I had a master's in computer science, so it's pretty intense, <laughs> rigorous, 24-7 um, job, uh, and didn't want to go back to the corporate world. So I actually started making jewelry and going to craft fairs and traveling around, selling to stores, and then just being in the retail environment, realized that's something I just wanted to sort of tap into and, and start my own business. And that's how Rosendove evolved. When it came time to move beyond making her own product and expand to a retail location of her own, Kelly initially pulled inspiration from her corporate background. So how did you get to that point where you're like, all right, it's time to do my own shop rather than bringing yours around to others? I think I liked the idea of having 
diversity in product and selling. Um, you know, I'd sort of gotten a taste of the wholesale side, the back end selling to retail stores, sort of the retail side being in the festival environment and just wanted to expand upon jewelry and offerings. And at the time it was more, the model was corporate, um, targeting companies because that had been my background for gift giving, you know, to their clients to say thank you to year end for their employees. And so we did a lot with food and gift baskets. We had our wine license. And so, you know, for a while that was working. But then when the economy changed, sort of the whole model had to change. And we shifted to more of, we changed our tagline. I worked with a marketing person and uh, more towards the line of artful and affordable gifts for everyday occasions. So finding something that, you know, wasn't going to break the bank, but um, was a nice gift, sort of represented who they were gift giving to. And, And it was just that price point level. And so it started with small gifts and then just sort of expanded. In addition to her own professional experience, Kelly's inspiration for Rose and Dove comes from her father, who served as an important role model and motivated her to persevere through some early business challenges. Where does the inspiration for, for the store come from? Like, were you ever, was anybody in your family an entrepreneur? Did they have any, anybody else own a business? Well, my dad was white collar, blue collar, I should say. He was an electrician. Um, And so he really instilled, I think, a strong work ethic in myself in terms of, you know, I think just setting a goal and working towards that and doing everything you could to make it successful. you know, I spent a lot of long hours in Lawrence sort of building the business. How do we build our customer base? Um, for me, the most important thing is our customers. You know, we have such a loyal customer base. It's amazing. I mean, they have supported us in Lawrence. And then when we moved to North Andover, they came and supported us here. And so that's really the premise of the business. And it's, you know, I think that drives me to find new product for them every year. So they've got diversity in the gifts that they're giving, and there's always something new and fresh for them. Did you ever receive any pushback when you, all right, start my own business? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) People, I mean, it's the typical, you know, the syndrome of a small business owner. You've got that panic, and if you, you know, those first couple of years are so trying, and You know, I just threw myself out there. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no marketing background. I had no business background. And it was a lot of, um, you know, trial by error. And you learn, and then you build upon it, and try not to look at it as a setback. Just say, okay, you know, what can I take from this? And then figure out, let's move forward. And, um, you know, put that behind. And how can we turn a negative into a positive? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, what were some of the hardest parts for you when you were starting out? I think it was the location of the business. Um, I really loved the charm of the historic building, the mill building that we were in. Um, It was during um, a process where Lawrence was going through the whole gateway revitalization project. And so I really thought that there was momentum in in a five to ten year, you know, pace that they would be on track and there'd just be this viable, just like bringing all these old buildings back to life. Um, And unfortunately... One of the larger developers lost his funding um, because he had sort of a go green concept and they found asbestos in the buildings. And that really set, I think, that whole project back years. Um, And then with the bridge closing, 
then I wasn't getting the traffic from Andover, which is one of our, you know, we have a significant number of customers from Andover. And so at that point, I had to really think about, okay, where are we going with this? What are we going to do? And, you know, I loved the concept of the store. People loved the product. Um, and so instead of being a destination store, I had to find somewhere we could be an anchor and, uh, and really, you know, be visible. Making her business visible and growing her customer base has relied on strong communication. Kelly began using email marketing in the early days of her business as a way to keep in touch with her customers and keep them up to date on the products she has in store. What were the most challenging aspects for you besides finding a location in those beginning years? It was the marketing portion of it. Like, how do you get the word out that you're there? And, you know, you there's the print and direct mail and those are so costly and then there's building your database and you know we were from the the get-go really consistent about gathering our customers information once they came in and having a system in place that we could track their sales um, you know what is the, the hot thing right now you know what's trending in terms of jewelry are we doing better in baby or bridal versus home accents tabletop so we could you know, gauge our the back end and our buying part of it, but capturing their email database was pro- or their emails was probably the smartest thing we ever did because then you know through you know software programs like Constant Contact, they were able to to touch and we, but not inundate them. Right. We always were of the philosophy of sending one to two emails a month, just letting them know sort of what's new, what's happening, um, events, special events. Mm-hmm. Um, and making them feel special that, you know, thanks for supporting us and giving your email and sort of that's how we do a lot of special offers yeah. out through through those emails. So you mentioned you send, you know, email out about a couple times a month or so. What are some of the, some of the things that you do in there? What is your approach to, to, to doing that? I mean, obviously the time of the year. Mm-hmm. So I'll start the beginning of the year and be like, okay, well, we have 12 months to plan out. So I have 24 emails basically that I want to send out. So what's going to be my focus? And so we base them around the, you know, the larger occasions like Valentine's Day. Um, You know, teacher appreciation is huge for us. Um, Mother's Day, Father's Day, back to school, and then going into all the holiday. And so that's really what drives, you know, the premise of the majority of my emails. Um, we'll do occasionally. Um, we've got our annual tent sale, which is huge that everyone looks forward to. Um, unfortunately, it's the byproduct of sometimes me overbuying <laughs> or the <laughs> the uh, yeah the lines that I thought oh this is going to be great and not so much. Um, but people always know that they can get a great deal at the tent sale, and so we've got you know sort of a contingency of following of people who come every year for that. Um, but it's really, you know, not so much in terms of providing a coupon or discounting, but just to say, hey, this is new, this is what we're doing, or, you know, this is an event coming up, we're partnering with X, Y, and Z, um, come by and check us out. We do a lot with Mariposa, um, that's probably our number one brand that we we sell, we're one of their 10 um, top nationwide dealers. 
which is pretty impressive for you know being 1,200 square feet, yeah. <laughs> um, the amount that we sell of, of their product. Those? So Mariposa is all of our sandcast aluminum okay. giftware. Gotcha. Um, so yeah. it's tabletop, but a lot with bridal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then right. seasonal, Seashore does really well for us. Um, and they're local, they're up in Manchester. And so I just love working with them. And their artist is Mike Lapdike. Uh, so he comes in and he does a lot of artist signings for us. So so that's really fun. And so we use Constant Contact as a way to go out and sort of capture the masses through that. In addition to working with online channels, Kelly reaches new customers by getting out in her community and partnering with other local businesses. What were some of the other things that you were doing in the early days um, to make sure people could find your business, whether that be online or offline? And how did, how did those two interplay? We... Um, we did a ton of working with other businesses, so partnering with other businesses, so finding you know similar likes and interests, so either a hair salon and doing you know partnering in a, an event and having them come in or me go into their store and vice versa and just sort of either be there just as a representative to say what we do, you know what we're about, hand out a, a discount card to the store for them to come and and check us out. Um, you know, schools in terms of doing a lot of charitable contributions and working with organizations and giving donations to their raffles, yeah. um, gift certificates so that the, you know, whoever wins comes back into the store and sees what you're about. Um, the partnering was probably one of the largest or the best things we could have done because we sort of tapped into different segments of the area. Um, yeah. Worked with real estate brokers, you know, would do housewarming gifts for them. Um, the direct mail, it was tough because, like I said, it was very costly, the print advertising in magazine. We did all of that. Um, you know, it was just kind of having a budget and breaking it out throughout the year to see, okay, well, let's throw a dart and see what's going to stick this year. While many business owners know the importance of partnering with non-competing businesses in their community, many struggle to put themselves out there. I asked Kelly if she faced disinterest from other businesses and how she is able to forge relationships that are mutually beneficial. I had several that just weren't interested. You know, yeah. they felt that they were fine and they're, you know, comfortable with what they were doing and they didn't need to sort of outsource in that respect. I joined networking groups, so I was part of BNI. And so through there, you had up to 40 industries present. And so you could sort of pick their reins and figure out, okay, what would make sense? And, well, what are you doing next week? How are you sort of getting out there? And through that networking group, there'd be like four to six of us that would kind of go together and say, hey, let's do this. And um, and so that was kind of good having that base to bounce ideas off of because I never had, you know, a partner that I could say, hey, what do you think about doing this? Does this make sense? Does this not make sense? It was always just me, you know, and I felt most of the times I was just flying by the seat of my pants. Um, But I felt if I didn't put myself out there and get the name of the store visible, people weren't going to find us. So so the networking group definitely helped. Um, Chamber of Commerce definitely helped um, going to a lot of their networking events. Um, they held a bunch of speed networking. And so that was great because you had your one-on-one. You had like three minutes to pitch your store and, you know, what you do and your product versus being in sort of that, you know, big environment if they have an event at such and such a place where it's definitely more going to drink and win the raffle prize there. Mm-hmm. So I found those speed networking events really, you know, helpful. Yeah. 
because you had that one-on-one and you met 20 different people that way. With the help of these partnerships, Kelly reached her early business goals and began growing steadily. Soon after, she started thinking how to expand internally and add a few new staff members to her team. Actually, all of our staff have have been customers. So um, the longest member, Cheryl, she's been with me now five years since I moved the location here. And she's great. Um, They're all part-time, all moms. So I think we all, I understand the most that your family comes first. And so that's always been the basis of, you know, if you've, I understand if you've got something to do, you know, that's where you need to be. Um, but they equally enjoy, I think that they're just looking for an outlet. You know, they've got a creative side to them. Um, they enjoy working with people. They know a lot of people in the community. And so, um, so everyone who works for me right now, it's great. You know, I have one woman from Andover, and then I have another um, mom from town who's working with us. And then I also love hiring high school kids, students. So we've had um, a couple of high school students that come in, especially during the busier times, to help us out. Or if we have like a large corporate order, they'll help me with that. So I think it, it helps them sort of see the part of the business that they wouldn't necessarily. They can see the retail being on the floor, but then sort of the back end um, from a larger order. And I have uh, one college student, so she used to work for us as when she was in high school. And she comes back every Christmas and every summer now. So I think, you know, being in that mode, and we've been for three years now, have had that sort of same staff. It's been great. So, yeah, it's helped tremendously. I mean, it's, <laughs> if you have people you really enjoy working with and can trust, it makes a world of difference. As a manager, Kelly is understanding of her staff's work-life balance because it's something she's had to juggle as well. After navigating some personal challenges of her own, Kelly has worked to develop a staff that she trusts to handle her customers and products with the same level of care she provides each day. Was there ever a point where you felt like, this might not work? Yeah, (laughs) I've had many days like that. Uh, Yeah, it's hard. I think it's when you're... um, For me, I find it's fourth quarter because that's obviously where the um, bulk of our business is. And it's going through, um, you know, when you're a sole proprietor and you have to be there, you know, 24-7. I had a couple of blips in the radar with my husband. You know, he one year was in a motorcycle accident and in the hospital for three months. And so that was kind of dicey on how how do I juggle that. And then he had a heart attack two years ago. And so, and that was right on Thanksgiving. And so it was like, okay, well, I've got to remove myself. How is the store going to operate without me there? And I think that was sort of the tip of the iceberg in terms of changing things in terms of the store, the day-to-day operations didn't physically depend on myself, that I had a good backbone and staff that the store could operate without me here. I'm still part of the day-to-day operations, but I've sort of put into place we've got enough staff that it's covered and that I, I'll never be in that position again of like, I've got to close the doors. I can't be open for business because I'm not there. So I think that's one of the hardest things. What keeps you going through those tough times? 
I think it's, you know, how much time I've put into it, that I've invested into it. I mean, this is, you know, Rose and Dove is my heart and soul. Like, it's definitely everything in here is representative of me. Um, I wouldn't bring something in here if I wouldn't want to buy it personally or if I wouldn't want to wear it or have displayed in my home. So it is a representation of me and sort of my my loves. <laughs> so, and I think people recognize that and they know that um, I'm constantly looking for that new next big thing and, and I'm willing to take chances with a lot of the product we bring in. Although Kelly has had to make major changes over the years in terms of product offering, location, and staff size, one thing that has stayed consistent is her commitment to an exceptional customer experience. While Kelly and her staff are happy to tell you about any piece in the store, they won't pressure anyone into a sale that isn't the perfect fit. You're touching on this a bit, but what would you say makes your business different from others out there? I think it's the level of the customer service that we provide. Um, We're not a high sales pressure store. Um, For me, it's, I have an amazing staff and they all equally enjoy working here, the products that we we have, and the customer interaction. And so it's really making someone feel at home the minute they walk in the store and asking how we can help them. But, you know, social conversations, catching up, how, how you know, everything's going in their life, and then just helping them find, you know, a gift. Or, you know, they just come in, and a lot of people say this is their happy place. You know, they'll just come in and walk around and not buy anything, and that's fine by me. You know, if this is their place to come, they're looking, they're seeing, um, they're thinking about, and it could be, you know, six months to a year, they come back and say, oh, I remember seeing this, and this is the perfect gift for someone. And to me, that's the type of business I want to have. I, I want people to know that we're reliable. We've got a great offering, that we're changing our selection all the time. Um, but also, you know, you don't, you can buy something for $5 or you can buy something for $200. And I'm gonna treat you the same as anyone else. I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's like the level of the customer service that I just, I want someone, I want my staff to treat our customers the way I would expect to be treated when I walk into a store. How do you measure success? What does that look like to you? I mean, obviously, there's the financial component of it. Mm-hmm. So if I'm making my numbers and I'm able to pay, you know, I have four employees right now. And if I can support that, I consider that a fairly successful business. Um, I also look at the level of our customers and their satisfaction and how happy they are. And especially, you know, I'll be in the supermarket and someone will come up to me and be like, oh, I gave that gift to so-and-so and it was perfect and you nailed it right in the head and they were so happy. And, and I think they love how they look in the gift-giving process and they love seeing the response of their recipient getting the gift. So... Um, so I really measure a lot of it based on, on that, our customers' sort of happiness. Even as a small business owner, it's important to remember success is sweetest when shared with others. While it's incredibly empowering to pursue your own dreams and make decisions for yourself, Some of the best parts of your business will be when you are interacting with people that matter most to your business. After my conversation with Kelly, I'm reminded of the importance of valuing your customers, staying open to collaborative opportunities with other businesses, and treating your staff with respect. I'll leave you with one last piece of advice from Kelly. 
if you could um, give somebody else just starting their business a piece of advice, what would that be? Trust your gut. I mean, understand that, you know, you obviously have a dream. And I think if you work hard, you can make that dream come true. I think, and it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. And just be patient. You know, ha set short-term goals. Don't think about that 10 years where you're going to be um, just so that you understand the success as it's sort of happening. It might be small, but each of those successes are going to build into something huge and amazing. We appreciate you listening and would love to hear what you think of the show. Your feedback is important to us, so please go to iTunes or Stitcher right now and leave us a review. Small Biz Stories is produced by myself, Dave Charest, Sean Cronin, and Miranda Paquette. You can contact us at podcast at constantcontact.com. Small Biz Stories is brought to you by Constant Contact. Constant Contact is committed to helping small businesses and nonprofits connect to new and existing customers with email marketing. Find out more at ConstantContact.com. Mm -hmm.